This is Pete Moore wanted to officially announce the release of Time to Win Again, 52 takeaways from team sports to ensure your business success. I wrote this book over the last year. I think you're going to love it. Good to great meets Where's Waldo. Pick them up for your team. Time to win in 2022. Happy to come to your club, your studio, your company, and talk about ways we can optimize business and win going forward. Go Halo. This is Pete Moore on Halo Talks NYC. I have the pleasure of having a good friend of yours and a good friend of ours, Julian Barnes, BFS. We are going to talk about the studio market, the resurgent, and how to educate, support, and empower. Started with BFS. Julian, good to see you again. Pete, great to see you again. Great to be back. Second time around. Super excited to be here. Awesome. So, look, you help people get through a short 24 months, so... Thank you for your service. Uh, talk a little bit about what, uh, you know, some of the lessons learned over the last uh, couple of years and how you kind of turned all these, you know, obstacles and, and trouble spots into, you know, the ability to set up a business where you're really in the education and best practices now. So, you know, today, Pete, is the two-year anniversary of the World Health Organization declaring COVID a pandemic. Does it feel like two years? It feels like 20 yes. and two weeks yes. at the same time. Exactly. Um, look, we know from Ursa that 30% of the studio market is closed. And I think it's safe to say that the two primary reasons studios closed were, one, they had a landlord who wasn't flexible, and two, those studios are probably struggling in the first place. I'm not aware of many studios that were profitable pre-COVID having closed. The studios with strong management teams, the studios with uh, SOPs and KPIs, the studios that weren't excessively dependent on on, uh, third-party aggregators, those studios didn't close. So what are the lessons? Multiple revenue streams, build your own community, take care of your community. What we've learned in the last two years is that studios need to have multiple revenue streams. They can't be um, excessively dependent on third-party aggregators. They need to invest time in building a community, building a relationship with the members of their community who pay them directly. They need to have two or three different ways of generating revenue whether it's from nutrition coaching, uh, physical therapy services, um, private training, small group training, uh, rentals of their facilities, there has to be multiple revenue streams. One studio owner I know had um, a yoga studio, a retail business, and a yoga business. And when the yoga studio was closed during the pandemic, she focused on the nutrition business and the retail business. She pivoted from the part that was closed to mm-hmm. the part that was open. So. I think lesson number one, multiple revenue streams. Lesson number two, when it comes to surviving a pandemic, I'm gonna quote McKinsey and Darwin here. It's make the best decision you can as quickly as you can, no time to loiter, no time to wait and and, test the marketplace, see how things are going. The studios I know that did an excellent job in survival 
and SLTs of the world, fitting rooms of the world, Physique 57s made decisions in 48 hours. May not have been the best decision, but they acted decisively. And many people quote Darwin, but they stop halfway through the quote. He said, it's not survival of the fittest, but survival of the fittest and most adaptable, most adaptable. So we have all done things with our businesses that we never imagined we would ever do. We were forced to do it. And those people who are flexible and not beholden to sacred cows in their business, those are the survivors. Those are the 70% who survive. Flexible, adaptable, made decisions decisively and quickly. Yeah. You know, a lot of the um, takeaways from our end is, is the groups that really decided that hibernation is, is an okay place to be as well. You know, do your digital, you know, keep your outreach to your community, but, you know, right. You know, like a squirrel in Long Island, you know, you get your, you just want to get through the winter. And I feel like, you know, finally it's been, you know, I say it's independence day it was Monday, you know, with the masks off, um, you know, as you look at, at advising clients and say, Hey, look, this is probably the most severe, you know, trauma, you're going to experience with your business. And now you, you, you've got your summit set up and, and the, and the uh, 28th, 29th event with the Academy. Talk about what people would expect by going to this event, what they're going to learn. And also, you know, the, the understanding that, Hey, now it's time to focus on the, on the, on the elements of the business. It's not time to focus on, Hey, let me show you how to go sign another five leases. Let me show you how to, you know, bring right. on growth equity. Like, Hey, we're open. Now let's fine tune this machine so we can get this thing going again. So we're super excited to be producing our fourth ever summit in New York City on April 28th and 29th. As you know, we started in 2018. Uh, and this will be at the Westin uh, Times Square. And the first day, April 28th, is education. Four different programs. The CEO Summit is our invitation only summit for the best studios, the most profitable studios, the studios that have a growth mindset and are trying to determine how to scale their business or prepare for an exit. That will be 150 of the best studios in the industry will be attending the CEO summit. It is invitation only via an application. The focus of that day is developing a growth strategy for these businesses, starting off and features six sessions. My business partner, NTE Talk, will lead the first session on growing personally, because we believe you can't grow your business if you're not growing personally and professionally. Then we have uh, executives like uh, Chris, uh, Chris Schreiber from GoSaga, who's going to be talking about franchising and licensing. And we have Amanda Freeman talking about the corporate-owned business model. And we'll have other executives talking about the virtual-only and the hybrid or omni-channel model. The point there is, in two and a half hours, we're going to discuss the pros and cons, the advantages and disadvantages of the five most prevalent business models for growth, franchising, licensing, corporate-owned, omni-channel, virtual-only. After lunch, we have the CMO from Rumble, uh, Rochelle Dijon, is going to talk about marketing your growth strategy. And then we have a financing your growth strategy uh, panel. And we end the day with a 
um, preparing for your exit, succession planning. So in one day, people are going to learn how they can grow professionally, which business model is best for their growth strategy, how to market their growth strategy, how to finance their growth strategy, and preparing for an exit. That's the CEO Summit. While that's happening, those studio owners can enroll their managers in one of our BFS Academy trainings happening, same building. So Emma Barry is going to be leading the training on member experience. You know, she wrote the book, Building a Badass Boutique, has never had the opportunity to deliver that class in person in the United States. She's going to make that debut at our BFS Academy. I'm going to be leading the sales operations training with the support of my good friends, KK Hart, Connie Holan, uh, Corey Angelin, and Hensley uh, uh, Elifris, one of your friends. At the same time, we have a third training on studio ops that our head of ops, Jessica Lachance, is going to be leading. So basically, in seven hours, your managers or an inexperienced studio owner is going to learn, I won't say everything, but a deep dive in sales ops, studio ops, member experience, while their bosses are upstairs at the CEO summit figuring out how to grow their business. And that's just Thursday, Pete. We have a cocktail party that night, private invitation for the CEO summit attendees. And then Friday, check this out. NT and I start with our state of the industry, as always, followed by, boom, keynote speaker number one, Sadie Lincoln, bar three, 176 locations. Last time I interviewed her, last spring, she had 160 locations. So during the pandemic, she added 16 new locations. How amazing is that? Mm -hmm. And we'll have uh, multiple fireside chats, panel discussions, lunch, partner pavilion. Keynote number two, Jay Galuzzo, Flywheel, Northcastle, now with Club Sports Group, commitment to open 300 F45s. I just interviewed Jay the other day, and I asked him, why are you so bullish about the boutique fitness industry? He said, because people are coming back. It wasn't broken before the summit, before the pandemic. It took a global pandemic to lead to the setback, but it wasn't because the business model was broken. He's, he's so bullish, he left the comfort, of, the comfort of being an investor, and he jumped back in the operating chair and uh, operate, operator's model, and he's committed to opening 300 new locations. So that's our keynote speaker number two. While all that is happening, we have recruited 20 of the best studio consultants in the country who will be providing on-site one-on-one business coaching to some of our attendees. So if you're not digging the panel on Omnichannel or the panel on talent acquisition, you can go downstairs and talk to people like some of the, some of the instructors, KK and mm -hmm. Corey and uh, uh, Saran Glanville, who's a uh, crowd. Chris DeBeer, um, Chris Beer, a who's who of coaches. So in sum, in two days in New York City, there are some intensive trainings on sales, studio ops, member experience. There's a CEO summit for the best studios that want to focus on growth. There's a, uh, a full day of general sessions featuring Sadie Lincoln, Jay Galuzzo, uh, fireside chats, um, panel discussions, all focus on the theme of the summit is the path forward. And we were very intentional about that theme. It's not the future of fitness. It's the path forward. Why is that? Because 70% of the industry is still here. Most of that 70% is 
is operating significantly below their 2019 number. So they're not thinking about what's the future with wearables and, and augmented reality, et cetera. If you're still open and you're struggling to get back to your 2019 numbers, you're looking for the path forward to do so. And that's what we're gonna talk about April 29th, the summit by BFS, bfs2022.com for more information. That's what's happening. Awesome. So let's talk about a couple of uh, a couple of things that I want to get your perspective on. Um, look, the industry was was always you know well networked and you know everyone was uh, you know had had very amicable uh, relationships and we'd go to happy hours together and we'd do some events together. I feel like the the, the need to to operate as a uh, a consolidated voice during COVID to try and get ourselves back open has kind of given the opportunity for you to have all these people say, Hey, look, I'm not competing with somebody next to me. I'm competing with getting everyone back. And when everyone comes back, we're all going to be full anyway. So let's not put any guardrails or barriers up between how we can educate ourselves as a, as a community power play. Um, So have you seen kind of people change and say like three years ago, they might have said, Hey, Joe, like, yeah, I'll go to that, but, you know, I don't really want anybody knowing who my Absolutely. employees are, you know, or I don't want to give any trade secrets away. How's that kind of changed in your mind? So we started our mastermind program in May of 2020, uh, maybe six to eight weeks after the pandemic began. And we invited some of the founders of uh, the most successful studios in the country. This is Physique 57, Fitting Room, Mile High Run Club, SLT, Shred 415, Box Union, Joy Rise Studios. Those are some of the original founders of our mastermind group. And some of them were best friends, but none of them were best friends with each other. Right. I mean, none, let me say it differently. While some of our members knew each other and had relationships and friendships with each other, none of our original members we're friends with everybody. And now we've created an environment where, look, let's be clear, in the last, in the last two years in our mastermind meetings, there have been multiple times crying, mm-hmm. tears, laughter, shouting, screaming, all ranges of emotion in a 90-minute moderated call for 24 months in a row. You can't help but form bonds with those people that you are crying with, sharing with, being vulnerable with. That didn't happen pre-summit because those people were so successful, they didn't have the time or the need to share with each other, but COVID has stripped that back. People have been humbled, they've recognized what's really important in life. Mm -hmm. Let's not forget, we're at close to a million Americans have, have lost their lives in the last two years. So if that doesn't humble you, I don't know what does. So there is absolutely a different mindset among studio owners right now who recognize I'm not competing with the studio next to me. I'm competing against Netflix. I'm competing against the couch. I'm competing sure. as inaction. There is greater understanding of, of our role in solving the public health crisis. It's not big boxes versus studios versus digital only. It's all of us are required to get people moving, get people off their asses uh, and, and engaging in some physical activity so that when the next 
variant arrives and it's attacking people who are out of shape, we as an industry are doing our job to make sure there are fewer people in shape. I think there's a greater acknowledgement, understanding, and appreciation of that point across the entire fitness industry, not just boutique. So go into your, your crystal ball here and you've got all these groups that are now, you know, in a mastermind and, you know, someone might be on a, an aggregator, like a, a gym pass or a class pass. Um, and then they're kind of sitting around saying like, Hey, why don't, why don't we just like the four of us do this? And, you know, we can all sync up through our, our same software, you know, do you see maybe more reciprocal memberships? Do you see somebody saying, Hey, you can buy my membership and also buy, you know, boutique down the street. And we're basically like creating like a block party here instead of like trying to, to dilute ourselves by going to a third party to have that relationship set. And also we get to maintain the relationship, even maybe co-own it. I don't see that happening. Um, there's a company out of Chicago called My Strong Circle that is a third party aggregator, but they do it very differently. Uh-huh. It's you pick the three studios that you want to have memberships with. So you can pick your cycling studio, your yoga studio, your hit studio. You pay my strong circle one membership fee and they are paying the three studios. And what's interesting about that is I remember listening to um, Fritz at ClassPass had a public webinar in like October of 2019. And one of the things he said was they they knew, again, we're using 2019 data. They knew that after the first two to four weeks, a new class pass member settled into a routine of going to the same two or three studios. They used the first month to explore, discover what they like. They find what they like. They get a routine. They end up at three. Hmm. So what Boroslava Baeva at My Strong Circle has done is cut out the discovery part you just pick the three that you want to go to. Interesting. I think we'll more likely see something like that, primarily because studio owners are not technologists. So your suggestion makes sense if they were. I was, I was just asking your opinion. I don't want to. I, yeah. I just want to know where you think it might evolve to. I'm not sure where it does, I, but I, I like this think, my strong circle idea. Yeah, I don't think we're going in that direction because. Look, let's let's acknowledge um, that. Most studio, most fitness professionals, fitness business owners don't have a strong uh, technology infrastructure. And so what they do best is uh, build communities around their classes. And I think that's what they should consider what they should continue doing. I'll tell you what I see is more likely to happen uh, in the next 18 to 24 months. We're going to start seeing studios um, expanding their business models, as we're suggesting, uh, moving beyond only selling movement services and starting to deliver nutrition coaching, uh, recovery, um, and um, and mindfulness. I think that fits into the box, the paradigm that most studio owners are comfortable with. They know how to sell movement. Now, can they sell nutrition coaching? Can they sell wellness, physical therapy, massage therapy, cryotherapy? Can they have recovery services? 
like uh, not just Theragun, but you know, uh, infrared blankets and Normatec, and can they can they add to the basket of services that they're providing to their clients so that the clients can start paying the studio owners more money, but it's not just for classes. I also don't think digital is going anywhere. Uh, I think we're very much at the beginning of, of virtual fitness. I think it took two years for studio owners to figure out how to play in the virtual fitness space and to realize that for most studio owners, virtual is not intended to be a national brand. You're not competing with a digitally native brand that has millions of dollars of VC money funding their Facebook campaigns. Sure. Most studio owners, and let's remember here that this industry is 80% run by studios with three or fewer locations. So we're mostly talking about small companies, Main Street, America, whether it's urban, suburban, or rural. Most of the companies we're talking about, three locations or fewer. That company isn't competing with Peloton, Apple Fitness, Daily Burn, Les Mills, et cetera. What yeah. they have finally realized is that the role of virtual in their business model is to support their existing clients, the clients who can't get to the studio because Johnny's sick or right. when the client herself is sick or whatever impediment in life comes up, the client can now consume the studio services because we're in an, look, we've always been in an on-demand world. People want what they want. That's what Netflix is. That's what Amazon is. It just took a pandemic to bring that on-demand mindset to the fitness community. That's not going anywhere. And so I see studio owners focusing on delivering a greater digital experience to their existing clients. I see them expanding the scope of the services they deliver beyond movement. I forgot to mention, one of the speakers at the summit on Friday is Dean Darius Mozaverian, who is the Dean of the School of Nutrition at my alma mater, Tufts University. Mm -hmm. We invited him to speak for a few minutes about the role of wellness, the role of nutrition in overall health. So our attendees can hear from one of the country's foremost ex experts, not just in nutrition, but the dean is a cardiologist by training. So he's going to talk about the role of nutrition and movement together. I think we're going to see studio owners moving in that direction, selling mindfulness, selling recovery, selling yeah. nutrition. Yeah. I selling mean, I've, we, yeah, we've always been saying that, you know, if you're a health club operator, you know, you really are the authority in your five mile radius. And there's no reason to, to cede that position to some technology company or app that doesn't have any physical relationship or face-to-face, -face, you know, opportunities. So look, we're going to both be at the, uh, at the summit on the 28th and 29th. Look forward to, uh, to seeing you there ripping some halo talks and, um, spending some time with you and all the, uh, the guests there. I think, um, you know, what you're, some books as well. Sell some big. Yeah, sell some books. Maybe sign some books. You know, maybe trade out some books for uh, Soul Cycle class if I can, or you know, take a bar class for a book. Uh, let's say a whole new currency. It'll be like the uh, time let to me, win again Bitcoin. Let me remind you and your listeners: our summit in April will be the first time the East Coast studio community has had a chance to convene in person 
since the pandemic began. It, it's not just the education I mentioned. It's also a celebration, um, an acknowledgement of how far we've come, uh, an acknowledgement of how resilient the entire community has been, a statement of hope. So it's, it's not just a summit. People need this. They need the opportunity to come out and connect and get off Zoom and bring LinkedIn to real life and be like, oh, so you're Pete. I see your little picture on LinkedIn and now I see you in real, in real life. We all need that. That's what's happening. Well, th- thankfully the there. comeback has, has started and uh, I just got noticed that my favorite studio is opening again in four days. So I'm, I'm ready to get my, uh, my in-person sessions in. So keep up the good work. Great job getting people through this two-year uh, period, which I think we all kind of felt like the goalposts get, got, kept, kept getting pushed back three months. Uh, so finally here, you guys are well-established as the go-to on the studio side. And um, I'm sure great things are going to come out of the event. Look forward to being a part of it and uh, appreciate what you guys have been doing. Thanks for having me again, Pete. And uh, great job on everything that you're doing with Halo Talks, you and your Thanks. team. All right, man. See you soon in person. <laughs>